to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. I'm your host, Trish Close. Content creator Ryan Turley on the podcast today. He's creating content specifically surrounding smoked meat. So when did this all start? Well, for most of us, March 2020, when Ryan found himself at home a lot more with a lot more time on his hands. He had this idea, I'm going to take something that I'm really passionate about, smoking meat, and just put it out there for the world to see. Well, it started on YouTube, but then one thing led to another. He created a profile on TikTok. That's when things really started to blow up for him. He says not necessarily overnight, but now some of his videos that he created for TikTok have millions of views, and he's hit nearly 300,000 followers. So we talk a lot about brisket. I asked him to walk me through his process, his method of doing it, the things that he's learned over the last several years. Um, And then we also talk about some of the negative comments that he's gotten on social media, sad but true. I also asked him how he juggles all of this, having a full-time job, being a full-time dad, being a full-time content creator. In fact, my exact question, when do you sleep, homie? Seriously. And then I asked him what's next. He says he has some exciting things possibly coming his way in the near future. Here's Ryan Turley. What are you cooking today? That's my that's my question. What are you smoking? What are you grilling? <laughs> what is happening today in the Turley household? So I just got a new Traeger grill delivered a week ago. I saw. Um, it's a it's called the Timberline XL, and it is like a dream of a smoker and cooking outdoor cooking device. Um, it it's the biggest smoker I've ever had. It also has an a side induction burner with all this crazy magnetic technology, so you can cook any side you want outside next to your next to your smoked meat um, or vegetables or fish or whatever. But um, this weekend, I don't think I have anything planned for today, actually. But this weekend, I'll be doing like kind of a reveal cook for this smoker. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to just load it up with as much food as I can that we can hopefully eat over the next uh, week or two. Awesome. So it's going to be tri-tip with chimichurri, roasted vegetables. I'll probably do a spatchcock chicken on there and um, jalapeno poppers if I had to oh, man. guess, but I'm okay. still finalizing the menu for tomorrow. Okay, Ryan Turley, everybody, what an introduction you just gave all of us. You are a full-time dad, you have a full-time job, you're also really a full-time content creator. Um, your specialty yep. is smoked meat, right? That's what you really love to do. Yes. Okay. Back. We're going to talk a lot about um, about that, how you really got started in that. I do want to mention you have followers everywhere on social media, nearly 300,000 followers on TikTok. You have followers on IG, followers on YouTube. So there really are people out there who really love watching you do your thing when it comes to like brisket and pork and <laughs> chicken. And I saw a prime rib the other day, right? A prime rib? Yep. For, for Easter. Yeah. It was wow. amazing. Okay, we're going to get into all of that, but I want to go back to the beginning. Where are you from originally? I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, Uh, you are living in the L.A. area now, right? Yep, just south of there, um, in between L.A. and San Diego. And growing up in Salt Lake City, what was that like? Kind of weird, to be (laughs) honest. I didn't um, fit in culturally, I'll just say. Okay. I wasn't part of the uh, in crowd in and throughout Salt Lake. Um, so are you so Mormon? For the first, like, I'm not. Okay, That's, well, there you go. Um, yeah. 
So I wasn't raised Mormon, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's usually the first question anybody asks me when they say, oh, you're from Utah? Uh, are you Mormon? It's literally the first question. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but the first, like, I'd say decade or, you know, 12 years of my life, it was just kind of weird and didn't really fit in and um, didn't have too many friends that, like, their parents would allow me to play with. It was just weird. Um, and uh, then I started snowboarding at about... 13, 14, and just found my niche in that and kind of an escape as well. And by the time high school hit, I was on work release and snowboarding five or six days a week um, on work release. And then after snowboarding, I would go straight to my night job for four hours and was still able to like make my, my school, my snowboarding life and my job work and keep my parents happy along the way. Sounds like you learned how to juggle things, which is what you're doing now, I feel like. So there was lessons learned there. Um, And when you say fit in culturally, was it because specifically because you and your family weren't Mormon? Is that really? Very much so. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe because I was so young, I thought it was more of a big deal, but I think it is. Like Mm -hmm. people there that are Mormon are very inclusive or Mm -hmm. I I guess exclusive, whichever, um, where they just don't want their kids hanging out with any non-Mormon kids. Generally speaking, there are some, you know, very Mm open-minded Mormon people in Utah, but those in my community, I'd say generally were not. Um, So it it was just kind of weird just growing up being different and knowing you didn't fit in um, or, you know, why, why aren't we a part of this club? as a, as a young kid, but 10 years later or 20 years later, I thank my parents for raising me the way they did with an open mind when it comes to uh, religion. And, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. No kidding. Good for you. Good for your parents too. Were you looking after high school? Were you looking to just get out? Was that the goal? Not really. Actually, I fell in love with Utah through snowboarding Mm. and, just the mount, the mountains there have so much to offer. I was mountain biking and rock climbing every day of the week in the summer and snowboarding almost every day in the winter. Um, I went to University of Utah just on the east bench of Salt Lake City for three and a half years and got a bachelor's degree in that time. I took every summer semester full class so I could take my spring semester off and snowboard. So I was always a semester ahead and I graduated with the absolute minimum number of uh, hours needed for my degree, which is business marketing. I needed, I think, 120 hours, and I had not one extra hour put into my school. Well, (laughs) snowboarding was the priority. Do you still snowboard? Actually, um, this is my second winter that I haven't been snowboarding in my, like, in my life, basically, or like my conscious Mm -hmm. life. And I am not mad about it. It was a big part of my life for 20 years, pretty much or more. And I lived and breathed it. I worked in the snowboard industry for over 10 years. I was a sales rep. um, And then I became a sales manager when I moved to California for a big global snowboard brand and was selling snowboards all over the world. Um, So I, I had my fair share of it. I Mm -hmm. tore my body up quite a bit. I've had uh, chipped teeth and broken chin and ACL surgery and broken wrist and you name it. Um, so the fact that I can still walk and, um, 
enjoy um, other <laughs> things is, is uh, good enough for me. But I know there will be a time and place for snowboarding again, but I have two kids now, a four-month-old and a three-year-old. Um, so my family and my careers are my, uh, mm-hmm. are my main focus right now and just building those up. And, and uh, I know when the kids are a little older, we'll, we'll be taking some trips up to Big Bear and Mammoth and back to Utah for sure. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to say with all the injuries, that means you were snowboarding correctly then, right? <laughs> you were doing it the right way. <laughs> I guess so. I, I definitely learned how to fall really good yeah. um, towards the end. <laughs> it's an art. <laughs> Beautiful. I was going to ask family, were they, um, did your family cook? Did mom, dad cook growing up? They did. Yeah. My parents were big foodies. They love to cook and go to nice restaurants and drink wine and all that stuff. But I wasn't really that involved in the kitchen growing up. It was kind of like, give us, that was their time because they did it together, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So they like to have like their kitchen and cooking time while the kids did whatever, played video games or played outside or whatever. Um, so I was definitely brought up in like a very culinary world. Um, but they have no cooking like background or culinary, Mm -hmm. you know, professional culinary experience. Um, but I definitely learned to appreciate what a good steak was or a good roux gravy or anything. I mean, we had lobster tail and, um, I don't know, prime rib and filet mignon and, um, my dad spent some time in Thailand, so we had some Thai dishes growing up that was really great. My mom's Mexican, so we had quesadillas every day after school um, that my friends thought was, like, the coolest thing since Lucky. PB&Js. Yeah, no um, kidding. And, uh, and just a ton of Spanish and Mexican meals as well from her and her side, mm-hmm. um, which was my, probably my favorite type of food growing yeah. up. That's amazing. I grew up in the South and same thing, just exposed to different foods and different kinds of things um, and flavor, right? And all yeah. of the food had, had flavor. <laughs> yeah, and spice and, and all of those things. So incredibly important because I see people my age now who have a really hard time eating. They're like, uh, I don't want that on my plate or I don't want that. And I just feel so bad for them. I'm like... You don't know what you're missing here. Like, there's so much good stuff out there. So true. But yep. I do think that starts when you're young and your parents are open to exposing, especially their kids that way. Um, so let's get into let's get into you and this, you know, smoking meat really online on your social media platforms. How did this start? I mean, is this something that you've always been into? And then eventually you said, hey, let me put this up on TikTok or, or IG. Like, how'd that, how'd that start? Yeah, so good question. I've actually never um, never had plans to be online or TV or, you know, any of that, like sharing my cooking, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been passionate about cooking. Um, since I moved out of the house, I knew I had to learn how to cook for myself and I didn't want like quick and easy frozen meals or take out all the time. I was pretty health conscious as well in my early 20s. Um, after te- tearing my ACL in my knee, I had a nine month rehabilitation period and I really had to like um, learn a lot of new skills and um, how to take care of my body and just it, it came down to like you are what you eat. 
And um, I wanted my body to be the strongest and healthiest that it could be. So I got really into like raw food, um, like living foods that weren't cooked and um, kind of went on this far health side of like no meat and no cheese, no dairy, like very, very high value mm. foods. How'd that go? Um, which was, <laughs> it was great for the time, but it was a lot of work. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there was like a part of my soul that was missing. And I love cheese and I love meat. And I was depriving my, maybe not my body, I could live without it, but my soul, my heart needed it really. Um, and so, you know, those types of foods slowly worked their way back into my, my lifestyle and my diet. And, um, you know, I've always loved meat. Um, I've always loved red meat and steak and pulled pork and all of that. And so how I got into this, um, it was March, 2020 COVID started and, um, I, you know, had some more free time. I was at home. I wasn't working or traveling as much or at all. Um, for my regular nine to five. And I had a Traeger grill already. I was really passionate about it. I loved cooking with it. And I had watched some YouTube videos on like how to cook this or that. And mm -hmm. I just was watching these videos just like, I can do this. I could do this better. I could share what I know. Um, and so one week into lockdown or quarantine, I started my YouTube channel and posted a video once a week for about a year um, okay. in 2020. And that's kind of what took things off to, or that's how things took, took off. And I started my TikTok probably a year, a year and a half after that. Um, and it since has blown up well above and beyond my IG and YouTube. And I've really made that a primary focus for, I'd say the past year or so, but I really do want to like get back into doing more long form content for YouTube. And, um, I know that'll be a much longer term play for yeah. me. So this all really started, this is another COVID story, right? I mean, we yeah. we're seeing it so much people who did have a little extra time on their hands, really discovering their passion and then something that they were good at. And what I'm finding too, is that people maybe there's two things, maybe there's a passion and then there's something that they're good at and they just do this. They, they tend to intersect somewhere. Do you find that that happened with you? Because obviously you're a talker, you're good in front of the camera. Um, but then you have this passion of, of smoking meat, for instance, were there two things that were sticking out to you that you just said, I'm really passionate about this and I'm really good about this and I'm going to put them together. Um, yeah, that's a, that's another good question. Um, I, I think so. I, I knew I wanted to share my life, my life and my lifestyle in some way more than I was. And I thought, well, do I want to do fatherhood content? Do I want to do, you know, food content in general, more broad food? Um, or should I really niche down and focus on my Traeger grill, my smoked meat? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I decided to do at the beginning was, was just focused on smoked meat and, and Traeger specifically because they have a big following and I felt like the content was really lacking um, from what I saw at the time. Um, and that really allowed me to, to get that really focused following. Um, but 
I don't know. I also did have a background in video editing from my snowboard history and just doing all these like sponsor me videos and things like that for myself and friends. So I've always had like a passion for video editing. And if you watch my TikToks, um, they're really fast clips. They're all like 0.5 seconds or one second clips um, for a minute. So there could be over a hundred clips in a 60 second TikTok. Um, it's a lot of work. And, you know, People look at these food videos and think, oh, you know, that's easy or they're just having fun. But um, it's it's not fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a grind. Mm-hmm. And um, and but I but I do enjoy it. I mean, when I say it's not fun, it's just a lot of work. But I do enjoy the details and um, really fine tuning that 60 second or 30 second clip um, so that viewers stay engaged and 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 don't don't swipe (laughs) yeah no exactly i feel you there i i do a little bit of cooking on my instagram channel and it is it's not that it's not fun because it is fun for me especially when i get going and i'm really into it but it is a it's a lot of work it's a lot of work it's not just setting up your camera with a ring light and then putting together a pasta dish and saying here i really try and think about the story of the food right like what's going to be the story What's going to be first? What am I going to show in the middle? What's important to show? What's important to leave out? I mean, it sounds like you yeah. you feel that. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, when I started with YouTube, I was producing 15 to 20 minute long YouTube videos and wow. getting very little uh, watch time percentage. Um, but shortening that down to like five to seven minutes, I feel like is like the perfect window for like mm-hmm. a cooking video on YouTube. Um and then some of like the more intense cooks or like more like step-by-step cooks, like a brisket or pork butt. Sometimes it's really hard to get that in under eight minutes. So it'll go to 10 or 15. Um, but yeah, it's just really finding that balance. And then with TikTok, it's, it's a whole other world. I mean, most food creators make 15 to 30 second videos and don't teach their um, viewers anything. It's just more like a flex or like a show off type of thing, which is fun to watch, but I want to add more value. And that's why I try to really share something, um, about my cook and whether it just be the recipe or a little hack or just some steps to make their cooking better. And I think that's where I add value to my, to my viewers. I couldn't agree more. It's not for me. It isn't about showing off at all. It's really about, um, because once someone said, I love watching these, you're inspiring me to get in the kitchen and cook or yum, I'm making this tonight. And then they send me a picture of it. I'm like, whoa, that's game. That's a game changer right there. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. 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 And so I think that has what, that's what really has gotten me hooked on doing some of these cooking videos because, and I'm sure for you, and let's talk about TikTok. I mean, you posted that first video whenever, a year ago, year year and a half ago, but like, did it just blow up? Like, were you just starting to like get all these video views, right? First of all, and then the followers started coming? Yeah, it was, I'd say about not overnight, but um, the first 30 to 60 days, I had a couple videos pop um, that got a million views and then 2 million views. And through that got like tens of thousands of followers. Like I was able to, um, I guess, monetize my TikTok, which, you know, you don't really get paid much from them, but um, within like the first month, which was pretty <sighs> insane. What? Um, a million and, views? And, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. And I have, um, I have a, my 
I have a video on there right now with 12 million views. It's a brisket trim. It's like my highest viewed video. Damn. 60-second brisket trim. Um, but it's it's a, it's a fun. I'm kind of a nerd, too. I'm like an analytics numbers guy. So when I can, like, figure out the algorithm and, like, what works, what doesn't, and also what I like to post because I'm not just going to chase the virality and the views like I have to enjoy doing it at the end of the day and I'm not just going to chase a trend or whatever but if it's a fun trend hell yeah let's do it let's do it yeah man I need your help (laughs) I need your help on that because the analytics just I want to fall asleep I start drooling when I look at them but I guess when you when you started to see that million views tens of thousands of followers like again within a month's time did something did you go I have I think I have something here this is really Mm -hmm. this is good or when people start commenting here before you blow up um like a lot you know or like here when you're at 3,000 followers or don't forget about me when you're famous and things like that I was just like this is this is ridiculous like no way but still motivated me to just keep going are you are you hearing also from people who like write like message you saying, Hey, Ryan, I did this over the weekend. It turned out awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I got my first like share on Instagram stories where they posted their cook and tagged me and said, you know, follow Ryan Turley for this. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Um, I had, uh, I posted a Turkey video, like a, how to smoke a Turkey over Thanksgiving. A couple, uh, it was two seasons ago. Um, but it got hundreds of over a hundred thousand views on YouTube. And it was like my first, for me, it was like my first big YouTube like video. I've gotten a bunch with like thousands of views, but never like hundred thousand views. Right. And just so many people coming back after Thanksgiving saying, this was the best Turkey I've ever made. I've made Turkey for 20 years and it's never been this good. My family says I have to cook it this way every year. Aww. Like just comments like that. I was like, this is the coolest, coolest thing ever. It, yeah. it, that is, that is, that's incredibly cool. And again, that goes back to what I was saying. It just, it motivates me and inspires me to keep doing things. Because again, if I can inspire someone to get in the kitchen and cook food for them and their family, that's huge. Because I, I just think there's no, yeah. there's no greater gift than cooking for someone. That's how I show my love for sure is totally here's a, here's a beautiful plate of food. Um, so when you really started to get into it, then it sounds like you knew what you were doing obviously, but did you up your game a little bit as far as like researching meats and okay. Tell me about that. How'd that start? Yeah. So, I mean, if you go back and watch my first YouTube videos, um, they're cringe, you know, I didn't have any like camera they should be. experience. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing as far as like filming goes and lighting goes and video editing goes. I hadn't done it in 15 years. I was just kind of getting back into all that. And then from like a cooking side, like they were just very basic cooks and super like straightforward and didn't add any of my own kind of zhuzh to it, sure. I guess. But I knew right away I needed to step up my game. So, I mean, I spent hours just learning and researching through cookbooks and other YouTube channels. Um, I was highly inspired by Joshua Weissman. I'm sure you've heard of him, um, the flaky salt guy. Yes. Um, 
not not a cook named Matt, but um, but he also inspired me. So those are like the two: um, uh, Joshua Wiseman mm-hmm. and a cook named Matt, who who used flaky salt a lot in his videos. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Are you biting on uh, Joshua Wiseman?" But anyway, um, they're both like um, culinary trained. Like they used to work in kitchens. They both quit their restaurant jobs to become full time foodie content creators. Um, and there's many more like in the barbecue world, like Kendrick barbecue mm-hmm. and, um, Malcolm Reed, um, how to barbecue, right. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many more I could think of that I've, that I've watched and learned from, but then also taken my own spin on what I want to do. Yeah, for sure. And again, you're, this is what I love about the, the home cook or in your case, sort of like the home, the, the dad, the barbecue dad is that you're yep. doing this because you want to, you're not getting, you're not getting paid necessarily in a restaurant to supply this barbecue for hundreds of people. You're doing this for you, for your family. So you want to be there. You want to show up. And that definitely comes out in your videos. I mean, it's just obvious. I think that's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, normally when I'm cooking for my family, I'm, I'll take the very first bite just to make sure it's amazing and of I'm course. not going to kill anybody. Of course. Um, it's like the pit master treat. Um, and then I barely eat like through the meal. I just mm-hmm. like, I'm watching everybody else eat, making sure my daughter's eating enough. Um, and then I'll eat after or leftovers the next day are actually what I prefer when yeah. I've smoked um, meat for 12 hours. It's like, I've been smelling it all day. I just have a little bit and then mm-hmm. it's, I'm all about the leftovers. I feel that um, when I'm cooking, I'll, I will taste it first, obviously, to make sure the seasonings are good <laughs> and to make sure yeah. everything's tasting fine. And then I'm kind of like, I'm good, y'all. Like, dig in. Please, everybody go first mm. because I'm just, I'm, I'm good yep. on that. So I have to ask, um, you've you've seen the Netflix series Chef's Table, the barbecue episodes? Yes. Okay. Whew. I was I was worried, but I, I had a feeling <laughs> that you'd watch that. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Did you pick up anything from Absolutely. from those episodes? Um, honestly, not not no. really. Like, no. I I feel like most of it was pretty straightforward, and okay. I guess I've just done so much research on different ways of smoking meat and temperatures and um, techniques and things like that. It was just kind of more fun to watch, um, just from a different perspective. I feel like I've watched like every barbecue series out Probably. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron Franklin, he's like another like very famous pitmaster in Texas Austin, who owns yeah. Franklin Barbecue. There's mm-hmm. like a six hour wait when you go there. You got to like post up at six a.m. just to get a table. <sighs> um, but yeah, watch watch his YouTube series and um, yeah, just anywhere I can get it. I I've been to Texas in the last couple years and I went to a couple um, great barbecue spots. One of them is Pecan Lodge. The other one is called Heem, H-E-I-M or H-I-E-M. Um, and I went and, and got a tour of the smokers and talked to the pitmasters back there, asked them a bunch of questions. They were not shy to share nice. what they used as a binder, what they used as um, a rub, how long they let it rest for, uh, what they wrap it with, if they use beef tallow. Like there's so many different options you Mm -hmm. could there's literally like 
20 different steps in a brisket and you could do all those 20 steps differently and still come out with an amazing product. Interesting. Um, and so it's, it's an art. It really is. I've done dozens of briskets and I can honestly say I've never cooked one brisket the same as another. That's interesting. So I'm always just trying something new and I try not to like diverge too far off the path of my last brisket so I can still have like a, a control group and say, okay, well, I changed the, the paper wrap method this time or when I wrapped it, how is that going to affect the taste? And it could always also be the meat selection. Like there's just so many different variables. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, walk me through it. Uh, brisket is your favorite, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's the most like challenging and almost kind of like revered as like most people that barbecue or smoke meat are like, oh, but I don't dare to try brisket yet. It's always like that. Like, oh, I don't want to do that yet. I'm not ready mm-hmm. for that yet. It's almost like a rite of passage, I feel like. It's, well, we've smoked a couple briskets here. Um, it's, and we screwed them up. Like, they weren't good. Yeah. yeah. And it's an expensive meat. Like, it's a cheap cut per pound. But when you buy 20 pounds of it, 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 it gets yeah. expensive and you don't want to mess it up. Okay. So, and right now I do want to mention, um, on your social media platforms, you do have, or maybe it's just Instagram, you have where you're breaking down how, like, you are breaking this down step by step brisket, right? Trimming it, yeah, everything. Yeah, it's a 15, 15 series brisket or brisket series with 15 parts. Yeah. Um, and they're each about a minute long. And I could have posted one 15 minute long um, IGTV or a couple TikToks because I can post up to 10 minute TikToks now, but. Right. You know, I, I could do that at another time, the same content and see how it goes. But I'm just kind of testing this series out just to also see like how engaged people are with it, if they come back to watch the series, things like that. So it's, it's definitely an algorithm strategy. Um, but it's, it's one cook and the first six parts are up now, seven parts are up now, and that's all focused on just the trim, it's just the trim for those seven parts. And then there's two or three parts for the rub and the uh, the binder and the rub. And then I do beef tallow as like another mini series in that. And I show people how to um, render down their own beef tallow. And then there's a wrap phase and then there's a rest phase and then there's the devour phase. <laughs> That's my phase. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> um, how long does it take you to trim a brisket? Um, from start to finish, I'd say about 30 minutes now. Um, or it's usually on camera when I do it. So I'd say 30 minutes. If I was just doing it flat out, it'd probably take me 15. Okay. Um, to do it properly. Yeah. But I've, I've actually never done that. Not on camera. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Um, maybe one, I think I did one, not on camera. It was like (laughs) my parents' house for the 4th of July or something. Everybody's like, (laughs) Ryan, put the camera away. It's the 4th of July. I get that sometimes too. Yeah. Like, do we really need to record this tonight? I'm like, yes, we have to record it tonight. Um, why trim a brisket? Great question. You don't have to. Um, you could leave all the fat on. Um, so the last brisket I did was an 18-pound brisket, and I trimmed four or five pounds of fat off, um, of straight fat. So yeah. it took it down to like 13 pounds, and a lot of people comment saying, you're wasting good 
good bites. You're wasting fat. You're wasting good meat. But I don't waste any of the fat. I render it down for beef tallow, which is an amazing cooking oil. Um, and I make eggs with it, vegetables, fried potatoes, mm. French fries, you name it. It's amazing. It's so much better than vegetable oil, canola oil. Um, it's like, think of it as like a bacon fat. Yeah. Um, rendered bacon fat, but beef. Um, so sorry, what was I, what was I White trim. White trim. Yeah. Thank you. Um, mm. so again, you don't have to trim, but, um, every barbecue restaurant trims their briskets. And the goal for me is to have every single bite of that brisket amazing. Okay. So if, if you don't trim, you, you could cut off a piece and like, you could have like this much fat on one piece of your sliced brisket. Like no one wants that. No, no one wants to it on their plate. Um, maybe some people will eat that fat straight up, but, but my family doesn't. Um, and I do like a nice thin layer of fat that gets fully rendered and nice and crispy from the bark. And I do like it in moderation, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's an trimming is an art, like trimming a brisket is an absolute art. And, um, I get better every time and I'm still not that good at it, but a lot of people say I am on the internet. Um, but I still feel like I'm like mid-level. And, um, you know, I just got a comment yesterday saying this is like watching Bob Ross paint. I like to sit back and just enjoy the artist at do his work. That's sweet. That's awesome. That's really sweet. That's a huge compliment, actually. Um, But it sounds like, too, you're looking for consistency when you're trimming. You want you want the slices to be somewhat consistent the same. Okay. And Absolutely, then, and it makes it more um, mm-hmm. symmetrical as well, so that um, it cooks more evenly. Okay, so that adds into what you're saying about just consistency. Yeah. And then rendering the fat, um, beef tallow, essentially, um, is that pretty simple? Is this not just going so easy? Okay. Just chop it up, and and you could do it over the stovetop on very low heat. Um, I've done it in the crock pot for like. 16 hours on the low setting and that's probably the preferred my preferred method if I have the time um, but you can also smoke your your fat trimmings for like a smoked tallow and you'll get some of those smoky notes in the fat um, and you just heat it up and it renders and melts and turns into a beautiful gold liquid gold um, liquid gold and uh, and yeah so I, I incorporate the beef tallow onto the top of my brisket and during the wrap, um, just for a, you know, a nice layer of, of, uh, flavor. That sounds amazing. Uh, seasonings. What do you use? For a brisket? Yeah. Um, traditionally just salt and pepper. Okay. Um, that's like the Texas way. Um, I've done a bunch of other like, um, more branded rubs and like salt, pepper, garlic, and like some brisket, beef blends and things like that. This last brisket I did, I used seasoning salt, which is like that orange salt, like Lowry salt. This was actually like a Canadian seasoning salt um, and, and coarse ground black pepper. So um, that was actually one of my favorite briskets I've ever done. So the seasoning just added like another depth of flavor and there's like MSG in it, which is like a big misnomer that it's like bad for you. But you know, we could, that's a whole other podcast episode, but um, my mom would be like mad at me that I'm like using MSG and promoting it. Um, but but uh, I love it, and it uh, adds some mommy flavor. 
Well, do what you love. Um, okay, and then it goes in your Traeger, right? Your smoker first. Yep. What temperature? Yep. At 225 usually. Okay. Um, or even 200 if I'm going to wow. put it on overnight. That's low. Um, if I put it, I usually put it on um, like at midnight um, or 1 a.m. And I don't want it to overcook while I'm sleeping. And I, I don't want to be worried about it. So I'll start it at 200 and then work my way up uh, later the next day up to 250 or 275 after I wrap it just to speed things along, depending on when I want to serve. Okay. And when you say wrap it, what do you mean? So every brisket, every big piece of meat will go through what's called a stall at about 160 degrees to 170 degrees internal temperature. The stall is when the meat gets so warm inside that it starts to sweat. And now the, the, the moisture that's coming out of the meat and sweating off the meat is cooling the, the brisket down. Mm-hmm. So you hit this like crux of, of trying to heat up, but then sweating, cooling off. And so it'll stall. Literally, your meat will stall at that temperature for sometimes hours. Uh, yeah. You could have a three or four hour stall. Yes, right here. Three and four hour stall. So frustrating. So you have two options. You Well, I guess three options. You could do nothing and just let all that moisture sweat out and it'll finally break through the stall and continue on its way up to 200 to 203 degrees internal, which is the target temperature you want for a brisket. Um, or you could um, turn up the temperature to push through the stall or you wrap it in either butcher paper or tin foil, and that insulation helps retain the moisture and, and gets you through the stall in 30 minutes. 15, 30 minutes. Man, where were you a few years ago? (laughs) So frustrating. That's what what all the barbecue spots do because time is money. Um, Actually, my son's crying right now. He just woke up. Give me three minutes. Go. Yeah. I'll be right back. I'll hang out. Yeah, go. Okay, yeah. His name's Zane. Hi, Zane. Zane Michael. Hi, Zane Michael. (laughs) Uh Hey, buddy. Watch the binky. Okay. No, he, I, I caught it. I caught it. He's nice. Good. What a sweetheart. Okay, he gets to hang out with Here's us in the podcast. Yeah, he should be good for a little bit. We'll okay. see. We'll see how it we'll goes. We'll see how long it goes. I only have a few more questions right. for you, honestly. Um, and I didn't want to reschedule, so I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. No, it works for me. Well, thank you. <laughs> and Zane can hang out with us. What a sweetheart. Yeah, um, he's, okay. he's pretty chill right now. Beautiful. So, okay, so you wrap it for the stall, and then once it reaches that temperature, um, I, I've, I've seen, like, the cooler. People put it in a cooler. Do you do that? Yep. Okay. Yep, I've, I've put it in the oven as well to rest. Um, you could do the oven off with the door closed. You could do it with the oven on, slightly cracked. Um, I've actually rested a brisket with the oven on overnight, um, at a lower temperature of like 170, just to bring the brisket from like 200 down to 170 to a resting temperature that's mm-hmm. still above the um, the like safe cooking temperature. Right. Like you know, like there's like a danger zone. I don't know exactly. It's like between 40 degrees and 140, I think, um, where if your meat 
is in that range for too long, that's when bacteria can start forming. Mm. Um, but I'm resting my brisket at 170 above that danger zone so bacteria can't form. Um, and the longer you rest a brisket, the more juices will return to the meat um, because while it's cooking, the juices just want to keep expanding and, and leave the meat. Mm-hmm. So if you let it rest for, I'd say, a minimum of two hours, um, even one hour is not long enough, but two or two to four hours, I think, is the sweet spot, um, you get a much juicier brisket and um, it won't dry out as much. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I saw, ideally. <laughs> yeah, ideally, exactly. I saw in one of your videos, you you thanked, and I loved this, you thanked the animal for sacrificing mm-hmm. to feed you and your family. I am curious mm-hmm. because you're very meat-centric in your videos because that's what you do. Um, do you get negative comments from the, the veggies, the, the vegetarians? <laughs> All the time. Um, (laughs) Not all the time, but, but yes, I mean, people want to just come onto my platform and preach their beliefs and ideals and whatever, Um, which, you know, if that's what you want to do and that's how you want to spend your day, great. Good for you. It, It doesn't bother me. I mean, maybe the first few months getting some negative comments were a little tough to swallow, but now I encourage it. Honestly, I, like the more controversy on a post and the more hate I get on a post usually means it's about to go viral and people are about to argue in the comments. And I don't even, I just sit back and eat popcorn at that point, you know? (laughs) Um, And so, uh, yeah, I did um, thank the the cow for sacrificing its life for my family. And, and yeah, some people didn't take kindly to that. Um, And my response was, well, there's other creators out there just, slapping their meat on camera mm-hmm. with disrespect, you know, I don't hear much about that, you know, like I'm getting hate for, for actually showing respect, you know, and um, in Utah, I, I, when I lived there with my roommates and friends, when I was in my late 20s, I had like a bunch of chickens in my backyard and a beehive and a urban garden with a bunch of produce and fruit trees and stuff like that. So I, I grew a very high respect for just agriculture in general, um, Mm. growing your own food and growing your own, um, animals and caring for your own animals is a lot of work. Um, and I had too many chickens than my city would allow. So I had to remove three chickens from my premises and we, we decided to, to, um, kill them and eat them. Uh And, uh, that was a huge, uh, learning experience and just moment of appreciation and just kind of makes you way more appreciative when you walk into a grocery store and you see all the prepared meat ready to go for you and people complain that it's gross or why are people eating chicken feet or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. just like there's so much more outside of like our reality that, that I think people just have gone numb to. I agree. We need to know and understand where our food comes from because it's not always pretty where it comes from for sure. Nature, nature is harsh. Uh, 1000%. Um, just being from South Carolina, my family, we butchered a hog every, every year and barbecued a whole hog that we would eat and freeze and give away to neighbors. And I mean, that's just, 
That's awesome. That's just what we did. Yeah, exactly. So I am curious, as you're holding baby Zane, you have a full-time job. You are a full-time dad with with your wife as well. You're a full-time content creator. When do you sleep, homie? When do you sleep? (laughs) Well, between the hours of like midnight or 1 a.m. and about 6 a.m. is when I'm usually up or 7 a.m. So yeah, eight hours a night is not a thing for me, but... (laughs) I feel like I uh, pack it in when I do get it in and I, I fall asleep in like three minutes. Um, <laughs> I listen to like a, a calm, it's called calm. It's an app and yes. I listen to like sleep stories, sleep stories for adults. It's amazing. It is. <laughs> but I guess why go through all of this? I mean, you, you're obviously, you're, you're not coming home from work and skipping the kids and going out to smoke meat. You're, you're a full-time dad yeah. too. You're very hands-on. I see it in, on your social media platforms. So why, why do all of this? Yeah, that's a good question too. I mean, um, I think my, my, uh, leisure and my like fun time have definitely taken a back seat in all this. Like I don't go surfing like I normally would, or, um, even, I don't even work out as much as I would prefer to. Um, and I, I don't watch TV or, you know, yeah. any of that type of stuff. Um, so it's, it's grind. It's, it's, I feel like now it's my time to just grind and, and prepare and set my family up for the next 20 years. And it's tough because sometimes I do work too much and I do create content when I wish I could be spending more time with Zane and his sister Soleil. Um, but I try to include them in my content as much as possible mm-hmm. and give my wife a break. Cause when I, when I'm done with work every day from five to six, she's, you know, just does one of these. It's like, <laughs> here, here you go. I need a break. Like every, every Bye. mom should, yeah. you know, or every partner should like they need a break. And, um, And so I kind of take over and then we always just decide like who's cooking dinner that night. And usually lately, now that he's here, um, our weekday meals are like very simple, um, like 30 minute prep or even less like uh, pre-made meals from Costco. Like we're trying to find ways to simplify and so that we can get these kids to sleep by nine o'clock because a lot of times Soleil will be up till 10 or 11 and she's three, but she's just like has FOMO and never, she just is a party girl and just always wants to be up. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> we would get along <laughs> great. Um, well, oh. I, yeah, I, I do want to wrap up a little bit and get to the final three. Um, but I, I did also want to ask you what's next. I, I saw that Traeger getting delivered. I mean, is there a sponsorship there? Is there something happening in the future? Yeah, it's not official. Um, I definitely have a good relationship with Traeger. They mm-hmm. flew me out to Salt Lake for their like launch event for this new grill, awesome. which was pretty pretty amazing to be a part of and included in that. And you know, this grill is I've promised just to post some un- unboxing and features videos on YouTube. And of course, I'm basically going to use this as my exclusive grill mm-hmm. um, for most all of my outdoor cooks. I have a bunch of other cookers outside um like a offset smoker that uses live fire and charcoal but that takes a lot more time management and babysitting Mm -hmm. Uh, no pun intended um but yeah no sponsorship i'd say what's next is um you know i i have worked with a bunch of other brands 
just on some individual sponsored posts, but I'd really like to see some more long-term relationships and partnerships come my way. And I have some that I'm in discussions with uh, right now for this summer and for this year that will be the biggest things that I've ever done with these platforms. And I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I just, I just want to provide for my family and enjoy it while I can. And um, also spend more time at home because this was, for me, being stuck at home during quarantine was like a great way to still be at home and still be productive and, mm. and hopefully make month, make, make some extra money, which yeah. eventually was able to, was able to do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put some good vibes out there in the universe for you, for sure. So I'll send them your way. Um, let's wrap up and get to <laughs> the you. final three. Uh, best advice you've ever been given? Mm. So I've got a tell you you told me these big three questions before and i just didn't um you didn't do the homework about them at all you didn't do your homework no yeah no so i i thought about that right before the meeting i was like well it's probably better that way sure <laughs> yeah that's yeah. i didn't it's just uh from the heart so the best advice i've ever been given um wow i would probably say Honestly, that these these um, these kids um, are their time as children and toddlers is is limited, and you know after they turn five, um, they're never going to be little anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm just trying to soak up as much time I can with these two. Um, I think I was a little gun shy with Soleil, my first for the first couple years, just like ah, uh, like girls, I, I have brothers, I have no sisters. Like it was just like, so <laughs> yeah. everything was so foreign, like the, the pink, the glitter, the, the she's already wearing heels and <laughs> trying to put lip lipstick on and all this stuff. Like it's just completely out of my comfort zone. So I love know, this I'm girl from a, from a fatherhood perspective. Like that's the best advice is just be present and be as, as there for your, your toddlers and babies as you can during that time. Cause you'll never get it back. And, um, and look at this little dude. I know he's cute. <laughs> he's really cute. And so happy. Um, speaking yeah, of happy, uh, what's your happy place? Oh, so my happy place, I've got a few of them. Um, but, uh, you know, with, re- with regards to this conversation, it would definitely be outside smoking meat mm-hmm. um, on my Traeger or if I have the time on my offset, which, you know, I have to, you know, tend the fire and control my temperature through fire management. Um, and that's that's another whole other game in this, um, which is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love it. And um, I, I actually really after I cooked my first brisket, I related the feeling of like slicing the brisket open and cutting into it and eating it as like the same, like adrenaline rush I would get like hitting a 60 foot jump snowboarding. Um, and it was just like, gave me that same, like, cause I'm like an adrenaline junkie and it just gave me that like heartbeat, like, Oh my gosh, like this is so cool. Um, so outside of, Outside of that, I would say like being out on the water surfing mm-hmm. um, would be my my happy place. Like you've got to be so present and so in the moment uh, while you're surfing and reading the water and trying to be in the right spot at the right time. It's a really challenging activity or sport. And I'm 
probably mid to low level in, in like experience and um, qualifications talking about it. I'm not that good, but I absolutely love it. And when I get the time to get out there, um, there's, you can't replace that. Fun. That's amazing. And then in all things food and drink, what do you crave? What always sounds good to you? Tri-tip and chimichurri. Mm. Uh, Tri-tip is a very California, it's a California favorite. Uh, Many people say it's hard for them to find at the butcher shop um, or at Costco or whatever. Um, But it's a kind of a tougher cut of meat. Um, But uh, if you dry brine it and slow, slow smoke it and reverse sear it and slice it the right way against the grain, it is the one of the best bites of red meat for me and my family loves it as well and chimichurri is like an amazing so good just sauce um with uh cilantro and parsley and oregano and red pepper flakes red wine vinegar mm-hmm. olive oil it's it's amazing um and for drink um i'm a whiskey guy and i'd say any day any night of the week that would be my go-to well, Ryan, we would get along fabulously, just smoking brisket and drinking whiskey in the backyard, hanging out with the kids. I love it. I love it. Um, I love it. Well, our, and I want to remind everybody, you do have a 15-part series on brisket on your social media platforms, right? Yep. IG, follow you on TikTok. Keep uh, increasing those numbers. You have a YouTube channel. You can you can check out those cringe-worthy videos in the beginning. <laughs> So yeah, um, definitely follow him on social media. And uh, just thank you for your time today. It was really nice. Oh, is someone home? Yeah, mommy's home. Oh, no. Yeah. Wanna t- <laughs> you want to take him? Okay, now she's, she's like, she's no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, you're doing fine. You're doing good. You got it. Um, well, is, are you smoking anything big this weekend? It's going to be um, the tri-tip, a whole chicken, and I don't know. I do have a okay. pork butt I could probably do too. I really want mm. this like first cook to just have a bunch of meat on it and just so it's like film worthy and it'll be for my YouTube video that'll be releasing in about a week. Okay. Focused around the new grill and the unboxing and all that. So Well, amazing. I'm following I'm definitely following because um I, I definitely am a smoked meat girl, so Thank you for sharing your knowledge and and putting it out there. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to content creators, right? We're putting our heart and soul out there for people to judge us. So, yep, totally. Yeah, bring it on. And um, yeah, one last one last tip um, that you know I learned early on, and I definitely think about it all the time when I am smoking meat. Um, it goes, it's like the the saying goes, "If you're looking, it ain't cooking." Um, and that basically means if you're opening the lid to your barbecue, you're releasing all the heat and, um, and you're not cooking your meat. So on a 16 hour cook on a brisket, I might open that grill lid three or four times, maybe five the whole time. Okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, keep that in mind. If you're, if you're looking, it ain't cooking. Noted. Noted. So many good tips today. Thank you for sharing again. Um, and keep smoking that meat and keep ignoring the, the negativity. You're killing it. Yep. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for the interview and the podcast. I can't wait to get back and watch it and listen to it. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Close. 
You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More and Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.